Attention, please be advised. The following episode contains spoilers. Don't say we didn't warn you. So everyone at home listening to this or on your way to your work or listening at work, uh, just be weary of people who have no personalities. Yeah, they might- right. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd on. What is everyone? Welcome to Nerd on the podcast you didn't need but you deserve, where all levels of nerd are welcome, uh, even if you're just the shadow version of yourself. Or it's just us. A justice. A justice. It's justice. <laughs> the Just Us League. Just um, two of us. We're doing something a little different right now. This is a, what I like to call a boner episode or a bonus episode. Uh, it's just a, a little small crew. Let me introduce you to the entire cast today. I'm Corey. And I'm Tom. And that's it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and this episode is brought to you in part by our patrons, patrons over, over at, at Patreon. Patreon. Uh, for everyone at home, if you're new to Patreon, uh, what it allows you to do for less than a cup of coffee uh, a month, you can support your favorite creators such as Nerd On. Yeah, and you get some cool stuff like bonus episodes and uh, direct contact with us through Discord. A lot of fun stuff. But Join the community. Join the Nerd On Nation. Yeah. Oh, the Nerd On Nation. I yeah, like the sound of that. The Nerd On Nation. Um, uh, yeah. Tom, what are, we, what are we doing here today? Why are we coming with a bonus episode? Because uh, we talked about something that wasn't on our normal schedule. And yes. we had to bring it up because all, we love you and we love this filmmaker and we love this film called yeah. Us. Mm. And so uh, in our normal episodes, we normally go through the initial reactions, the uh, brief synopsis, as well as guest at Grump, uh, the production, as well as our favorite parts, and then our favorite characters, yeah. our qualms. And if we have time at the end, we gush. And we'll try to do something like that today. It'll be a little looser. I mean, yeah. it's just the two of us. So. It's, ju- it's just us. <laughs> it's just us. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about us. This is Jordan Peele's uh, sophomore horror film uh, get of, out. His, of his aforementioned, he said he's making three of these, what he calls social horrors, yes. which are really fascinating to me. Uh, I'm a big fan of horror. I know you're a big fan of horror yeah, This is part well. of a trilogy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the idea of making a social thriller, especially in the day uh, of like social media. And, Political correctness. Right. It's it's a really interesting topic to play upon because it's a not a new fear, but a more relevant fear than it ever has been. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it because, uh, you know, with less people, as much as we love the crew, we love you guys who watch it because, you know, you're one of our five viewers um, <laughs> who watch it. Uh, this will be interesting because we'll have two people and we'll have a little bit more time to go in deep dive into it. So if you're ready and buckle up and let's go. I know we felt we felt uh, for those of you watching at home on YouTube, uh, we felt a little empty. So we filled the table with a few <laughs> a few knickknacks here. From, uh, a gift from Josh. Yeah. So I think it looks nice. Uh, so since it's something we're going to be talking about, it is a movie. It is a com- complete project are we going to do a guest at grump i think we could i okay. think we could still do it because so we're going to have a rate at the end yeah i guess there's at least two of us here so i think i think it's still works. yeah so uh if everyone's at home is new to guest at grump uh we rate it at one out of five at the end of one being the lowest and five being the highest no matter how high or low it is you're the grump yeah uh if you're the lowest one of the, of the group so out of us two one of us I'll will have start, a lower number tom uh and we can guess ourselves <laughs> i think because okay. usually we have this rule where you can't guess ourselves, okay. but since there's only two of us, we'd either just be like, I guess you, I guess me. Um, I think, I honestly think it's going to be me, actually. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to be the grump of this episode. You showed your card, so I'm going to vote for you, too. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> Two enough. for core. Uh, but now our initial reactions. Why don't you start us off, since you have no no votes on you? Yeah. What did you think when you first saw it with me? Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> we went to go watch at the Lemley uh, nearby where we live. Uh, which with is a- my wife! Yep, with your wife. Shout out to my wife, Dana. 
Um, where I mean, this is a smaller theater in terms of like it's not a big franchise like Century or AMC. I would call it like an indie theater. Yeah, which I I like. I always feel like their sound quality is a little interesting. But anyways, the film itself, like watching Get Out, uh, then watching this, like Get Out was a big like viral marketing thing because it came out as a Facebook video, like black dude meets his white girlfriend's mm-hmm. parents and it was kind of like oh this is funny oh shit this is real and then all of a sudden it's like it showed the like the the ink blot of like from the mind of Jordan Peele it's like what Wait, the what? fuck uh, and then you know so after seeing Get Out after getting an Academy nomination uh, for best script writing uh, yeah well he won he won yeah and for getting that it, and for a horror genre which is huge and making big you know things it was like us had a lot to put on it so when I watched it like I really a lot of, a lot of weight there's a lot of weight on it, but like, also I wanted to see because Get Out was like boyfriend meets girlfriend's parents, right? And this is a horror film about that. But this is kind of like a family is getting you know attacked by doppelganger family. So it's like, how does this work? Yeah. Like this felt much more supernatural to begin with. Uh, so it's a little grander as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I I very much enjoyed it because I, I left the theater with a lot more questions than Get Out did. Get Out kind of did a very good way of like explaining the entire movie to me, and, and you know with the little, you know, source video that they had in the film. But this one, like, it makes me think, and it reminds me a lot of, like, again, my backing in, like, film theory and, you know, when I was in school and learning about that stuff. So yeah. I, I I loved it, and I'd say I liked it more than Get Out. Yeah, wow. So. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I think I like this more than Get Out as well. Um, I think I had high expectations going in, and I had mentioned this off off mic before. Uh, and it's always dangerous for me going in with high expectations because there's a greater margin of being let down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did keep in mind, I was like, okay, there's also the trap that a lot of people fall into with their, trap. Their, their sophomore films. <laughs> it's a trap. Uh, their sophomore films of it not really living up to the expectation because they have this like burst of energy. I always relate it to like opening night on a show. Yeah. Like if you're on a stage show, Opening night's usually the best show because you've had this build up and build up and build up and build up. And then finally you let like all this energy you've had out. Right. And then the second time around, it's kind of like, okay, let me repeat the steps if I can. I mean, it's called a sophomore slump for a reason. Right. Um, so like for this, I was really surprised. Um, cause I went in with that mentality too. I was like, okay, I have a lot of expectations, but it's probably not gonna be as good. Um, it left me with more questions. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. No, oh, yeah. Uh, in this sense, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Because it's thought provoking. Get Out was intellectual, but this was on a whole nother level of like, I, I mean, you came back with us to my my apartment. We talked for like an hour and a half about this film afterwards. Like, I'm subscribed for those episodes. Uh, but like, <laughs> it didn't, it didn't, it didn't spoon feed you every little bit of information. It allowed you to fill in the gaps with whatever you wanted it to be. And I think in this film particularly, um, we'll get into like symbology Mm. of things later on, but I think the gaps are important Mm -hmm. in this sense um, because I think they can represent a lot of different things. So ultimately I love the theater liking it more than get out as well. Yeah. Um, And I mean, talking about like just a director for like sophomore slumps, not, I love the man, but it's kind of like, he kind of experienced this very, very harshly. Neil Blomkamp. District oh, yeah. Nine came out, fucking. So District Nine was banger. Just, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite sci-fi films. And then of after all time. that was Elysium, and then like and I, mean, I love the film, but it, like it just didn't do as well. And that's what happens sometimes. There's yeah. some things that just don't connect. It didn't. It didn't hit the mark quite the same. Yeah. So since we now done our initial reactions, yeah. that would bring us to our brief synopsis uh, history as well as production. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'll, brief I'll try to do the brief synopsis as best I can. Yeah. As best we'll as I can. Uh, jump in if you feel the need. But uh, we start out with uh, a family goes to... The to, Wilsons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the synopsis of the whole thing is that the, you, this family is going on a vacation that turns out awry. Um, but we start with actually 
this little girl in 1986 is with her family at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And obviously her parents don't really get along. It's not really a cohesive relationship. There's not a lot of communication going on. And through that miscommunication between the parents, she actually sneaks off and wanders into this um, house of mirrors down by the beach and ends Lit up- with the find yourself. Yeah. Uh, and she ends up running into uh, a, doppelganger. a doppelganger of herself, and she sees her, and then it cuts to adult. No, it or cuts to they're they they're in a they the they're car? in a uh, or the the, the ca- therapy. Ch- yeah child therapy. psychiatric child psychiatric, and they're talking about how she won't talk, and that they should encourage her to dance PTSD. And then it fast forwards to present day, and she's in the family with her car with uh, Winston Duke, killing it in this movie, by the way. Shout out, uh, and her two kids, and they're heading back to. Santa Cruz, which is where this all started. So she's a little tense already. Uh, One thing leads to another. They want to go to the beach. However, she fights it, and she opens up to her husband about this experience that happens. And we learn the rest of the story as it goes on as well. So we learn that she met her her mirror self, and we get to see a little bit more of that. If They turn around, and it's exactly her, and she said it's been happening more and more, and I feel like a lot of these coincidences that keep happening means that she's getting closer. Uh, They have their beach day. They see a guy had been killed at the beach, and the son actually runs into someone who's like dripping with blood and scissors. Gets lost. They find her. Fast forward to the night of. The night of. Suddenly, there is a family in the driveway at 11 11 p.m. 11 p.m., um, which is, we'll get into that. It's so good. Uh, But, uh, you know, immediately Lupita's like calling the cops, get your shoes on, let's go. Winston's like, no, I got this, I got this. Uh, He doesn't have it. He eventually gets overpowered, and they're all forced to face themselves, their doppelgangers, quote-unquote. And basically, it had come from uh, Lupita's shadow character named Red. Red. Tells this story about a girl who had a shadow, and everything the girl had, the shadow had a terrible version of it. So she felt uh, the girl fell in love. Uh, the shadow girl had to be paired with the shadow version of the husband. So it's this weird kind of connection. The reason they've come up from the underground is to do uh, an event that they've come up with called the untethering. Uh, basically, we're going to separate it and take your place. Uh, I'm going to sum it up here really quick. Basically, horror ensues. Bloody stabbing. Uh, a lot of people are killed. And uh, it eventually goes to... This is not a singular event, as the no. neighbors that they meet on the beach also experience Everyone this. in the world has a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we eventually get it to the point where Lupita, Red, takes the son, the actual real son, uh, and takes him down to the underground. And Lupita's regular character has to go find him. We find out through this uh, confrontation that the Lupita that we have been following through this whole film is actually the shadow version of herself. That day she met her at Santa Cruz, the shadow version strangled her and locked her up down in the underworld and went back and to live a life, place. which is why she couldn't talk um, uh, th- and had to go to dance and stuff like that um, is because the underground people don't know how to talk. Mm-hmm. Over time, she learned how to. So it's this weird kind of, is she bad? Is she good? Who's the bad guy here? Is there a bad guy? There's a, a self-identity kind of story that goes on of like, who's good? Who's bad? Who has a soul? What is a soul? Yeah. Things like that. What's our purpose in the world? Um, you, uh, The last frame is is Lupita looking at her son and her son gives her a look. It's not confirmed, but definitely gives her a look that like something is up. I know you ain't the right person here. It's I, happening. To me, I think it's... He knows because he puts on his mask. He wears this uh, werewolf mask throughout the entire like a film. a safety blanket. But it's but in more so, it's like he puts on a mask and so does she. Right. And so it's like they both are wearing their masks. Symbology. Symbolism. Um, so that was that. That was pretty, that was like two minutes. That was, yeah, that was good. Not too bad. Um, yeah. So Skipped a lot. Go see the movie. 
because it skipped a lot. <laughs> like we said, it's uh, Jordan Peele's sophomore film, written directed by Jason Blum. Uh, you know, same Blumhouse Studios. So horror film again. It's a high concept film. Uh, at you know has. Jordan Peele has set the bar yet Wait, again. Blum wrote, no, no, Jordan Peele wrote and directed yeah, it. Yeah, Jason Blum produced it. it. Got it. Yeah, same produce, production as Get Out. Yeah. Um, but again, like J- J- Jordan Peele has proved yet again to like elevate the horror genre in terms of like box office sales as well as like it can do, it's kind of like Nolan. Nolan could do a high concept film as well as a blockbuster at the same yeah. time. That is also Academy nomination. Mm-hmm. Like Jordan Peele is doing that within his, the, the genre he's playing in, which is horror. Yeah. So it's kind of like a cool, you know, uh, comparison. Uh, the production company, Monkey Paw Productions, mm. uh, Jordan Peele's company. Can I just say too that that his opening for his, his animation, oh, the animation for his company is so good. Yeah, it's on like a, a train, and then it's a like a dis, uh, dismembered hand that's stirring uh, the, the tea from Get from Out. Get out. Yeah. Uh, distributed oh. by Universal Pictures, uh, written directed by Jordan Peele, uh, produced Jason Blum. We all know Blumhouse, mm. uh, Conjuring, all the all the horror films that we love. Ian Cooper. This is his first time directing, uh, producing. Uh, Daniel Lupi. Good job, Ian. Uh, Daniel Lupi, uh, all of the Paul Thomas Anderson films. Uh-huh. So Punch Drunk Love, The Master, uh, oh. Phantom Thread, all of those. Um, and uh, Ready Player One. Produced? Yeah. Wow. So it was like. What a like mix of genres. Uh, Sean McKittrick, who did Donnie Darko, Get Out, and Black Klansman. So this is the, I think this Sean McKittrick was kind of like the Get Out person for Jordan Peele. Got it, yeah. Um, Beatrice Sequeira, who did um, the Corey's favorite films, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. One of those is one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, the Gift with Joel Edgerton, which is amazing. <sighs> Upgrade with Logan... Uh, Logan... Lur- Logan... I don't know. Ah, I know the, the the guy who looks like Tom Hardy. Yeah, <laughs> but I love him. Venom, Venom Light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's. Have you seen it? It's so good. It's better than Venom. It's, better. it's way better than Venom. Uh, and did Get Out as well. Yeah. Uh, the cast is Lupita Nyong'o, uh, who did Force Awakens and Black Panther as uh, Nakia. And Twelve Years a Slave. Twelve Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winston Duke, who we all know as Mbaku. <sighs> Dude, we have watched. He's endless hug. Can I just say, like, what a difference in performance from Black Panther to this? He's such a good character in oh, this. Oh, he, like, he's, he's enjoyable. He is, every time he's on screen, you can't look away from him. He He's kind of like, I, I would say like, and that's the thing with this film, it's like high, it's high concept, but also like the characters in there as well as like the horror aspect allow it to have that broad appeal too. Yeah. Um, Shahadi Wright Joseph, uh, who played Zora, the mm-hmm. daughter, uh, who also be in Lion King 2019. Really? Yeah. Nala? I have no idea. I just saw that. Um, I hope she's because she's great. Evan Alex, who plays Jason, the son, uh, also Pluto, if they want to know who the doppelganger Mm -hmm. son is, uh, who was uh, most known recently in Kidding with Jim Carrey. Oh, shit. That's him. Yeah. Okay. Um, The release date, we're talking about it March March 22nd for the United States, peoples. Mm Um, and it did really well in the box, box office so far, right? Because yes. this recording this at the end of the opening weekend. Yes. Uh, right now, it has made $87 million. Yeah. Uh, as of this is Sunday. This is Sunday. We're recording this. Uh, and the budget was only $20 million. Yeah. So it's doing fine. Yeah. It's doing great. Uh, which is, uh, again, it, so Get Out had the highest uh, R-rated horror film opening uh, for, you know, whatever, for all time. And this beat that. Yeah. Uh, so he's two for two. Yeah. Uh, Runtime is 116 minutes. So less, a little bit less than two hours. Oh, wow. Not even that long. I didn't feel that way. It well, felt horror, quick. Horror films are typically short. Yeah, I know. They're usually 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so that's then... interesting. Oh, man, that's interesting. It didn't feel like two hours to me. No, it did not. I could have, wa- honestly, I could have watched another hour of that. Yeah. The Rotten Not to-, to spill my rating. <laughs> uh, the Rotten Tomato score uh, on 
Tomato Meter is 94 from critics and 69 from audience. Interesting. Uh, it is It is pretty... I've seen online so far, it's been pretty polarized. Like, a lot of people still like it, but enjoyed Get Out more. Yeah. Um, well, again, it, so it's, it's open. It's yeah. open-ended. It, like, Get Out is not open-ended. It right. just ends. Right. But yeah. it almost was open-ended. I know it was. I, the original... Was. For those of you who don't know what Tom's talking about, the original ending that he tested with audiences, I believe, is that uh, our hero gets arrested at the end. Yeah. For killing a bunch of white people. Yeah. Uh, and did not test well with audiences. Uh, so they changed it to his friend saving the day, which I do think is a stronger ending because that's the guy who's been saying the whole time, <laughs> don't go. Yeah. And, uh, so 317 critics did 94%, 2,400 audience for 69%. So it's a pretty big sample to be like, yeah, it's pretty across yeah, the board. But we also don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes. So, nope. um, and again, it, on. It, like I said earlier, like it's a high concept film. So again, the mass appeal sometimes gets lost because like, again, it doesn't give you all the spoon fit answers as we talked about on the show. You said a really good thing the other night. You compared it to Hitchcock while the Conjuring movies are more or the James Wan style, but like it's it's yeah. it's more, to me, those are more traditional horror films where there's, there's more jump scares, but the, the, plot is so simple yeah and it's like family gets haunted they have to go save themselves and yeah. that's it not but, that it's bad not that that's a bad not thing because the like, conjuring movies are great those are those are well made and like this the symbolism is like probably two layers mm-hmm. this is kind of like at least several layers yeah in. Yeah, yeah and they're up to open interpretation yeah. as well as he said on record like yeah. i didn't want to tell everyone everything yeah i want you to fill in the there, blanks yourselves there are things like we talked about where the creation of the underworld and the tethering and all that stuff there's no explanation for it and so it leaves people like wondering at the end of the day, like, where do they come and from? And there's some people who, who prefer to have those answers and then some people who prefer to fill in the blanks. And I think it just comes down to, to that a little bit as well. Yeah. It's so, just how do you like your stories? Yeah. And I mean, we, we've had, conver- we've seen conversations with people online who are like, you know, narratively, it's a very powerful film. But like, again, it's some people compare it to Get Out, obviously, because it's the same writing director and they say it's not as good. But for me, I liked it. But again, I kind of like those highbrow kind of, kind of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where does that bring us now? I mean, we could just talk about it a little bit. Okay. I, we can talk about in uh, open interpretation and why that's something we enjoy. Maybe some of our thoughts on, on yeah. what that was. So, so what we're talking about everyone at home is that... Um, we could start with the creation of them. Yeah. So we, at the in very the at the, the third act, uh, the final climactic fight between, between Red, Red and, and Adeline, Adelaide. Adelaide. Uh, Adeline? Adelaide? Adelaide. Thank you. Um, they're talking to each other and at, uh, Red is explaining like, we don't know where we were created. It was many years ago. At the beginning of the film, there's like a text of a factoid of saying like under the, you know, the soil of the U.S., there's thousands and thousands of miles of railroads and tunnels and subway systems that are not used for and have no purpose at all. They've been abandoned. And so this is where all of the doppelgangers of you, yourself, you know, your loved ones all live. And no one knows when it happened or how it was created. Kind of like, you know, man, you know, like, who was really there? What happened first? Um, but the people who were the chicken or the egg, yeah, people who were then cloned <laughs> were created to uh, control the yeah, people from she above. She says we don't know who started it, but the government created us to control those up above. They they learned how to uh, copy the I'm, flesh. I'm paraphrasing, but co- they learned how to clone the fre- the flesh, but not the soul. Yeah. So essentially, the the whole premise of the film is these two people, because they are human, sharing a soul. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. And the thing is kind of like the rule that's kind of like been said through the first explanation with uh, Red to Adelaide, uh, to our thoughts, but it's Adelaide to Red, is the fact that like the world underground is pretty much like 
doomed to live the destiny of the people above. Yeah. So like she had no control of meeting. She had no free will, no free will to like find uh, the love of her life. Gabe, who Winston Duke, no free will to have a child. It all played second fiddle to whatever the people who are living above were. And there's some really interesting um, uh, imagery that goes on through this film where you see the people up above living their lives and the people down below must, because they share the soul, must basically act out the same thing. Mirror it in a really kind of demented way. Yeah. Like when you eat, they eat what they have and that happens to be fucking rabbits. Yeah. Like live rabbits. Not cooked, not hoss and fat for baby. Like live raw rabbits. Yeah. And she has a line in there too where she says, you know, your son, you had a C-section. I had to do it myself. Yeah. So it's like... It's this weird, almost land of the forgotten kind of thing because they were created and built by humans. And um, I mean, one of the interpretations I came up with for what what I honestly think they can be representative of a lot of different people, right? Yeah. One of the ones that came to mind at first when she first said the government created us to control the people of above and then forgot about us is like there's a increasing thing in the U.S. about uh, the government forgetting about vets. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had Kevin Conroy on here talking about that, and he's got home his charity vets. about it. I was going to say Home for Vets. Check it out if you can. Um, but it, it's a really interesting fact that like we create these soldiers to kind of control the world up above. If we don't like someone, something's doing, we need to defend ourselves. We create these armies and we send them to war. And then when they come back damaged, we toss them aside. And so I think it's, it's kind of a, in line with that a little bit. Yeah. Are they disenfranchised in a sense? And I mean, you know, again, as you heard in the beginning, spoilers for everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, Winston Duke, Gabe, I'll just call him as Gabe from now on. Uh, he asked like, who are you? And then uh, Red laughs and said, we're Americans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jordan Peele mentioned it from the very beginning. It's like, we are our own worst enemy. Yeah. And I mean, everyone who's listening right now has experienced at some point in some time that like, if you're not connected on the internet a lot of time, like there is like a, a minor civil war that happens between people. And it's not kind of the fact that like, oh, it's so bad right now. It's kind of always been there. But Just now social media is connecting n- with, with now so we many see people. It. Yeah, yeah, now we see it. You know, back in the eighties, you had maybe, it is a little worse now. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, back in the eighties, you had twenty mutual friends. Yeah, right. Now the average person has two thousand mutual friends. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's hard. And because, then you're connected to their friends. Yeah, and you're connected to their. friends. And so we we see things so at such a high pace. So I mean, like this film is t- just talking about us. Yeah, you know. And I was talking about it with Corey. Like a lot of ways you can think about it. It's they're getting terrorized by a family who is identical to them. And a lot of the times when we think about, you know, whatever your stance is on foreign or political, you know, statures and all that stuff, a lot of times we as humans, the way we have to examine our situations is, it's them versus us. You know, it's the people who believe in what I believe in, whether I, whoever I vote for, whoever I, whatever deity I believe in, it's our belief versus your belief. Yeah. And at the end, it's like the film's called Us, and it's, it is a family that is identical, that has lived the exact same life in a way. Um, you know, they're both fighting for, for their right to live. Yeah. And I liked the conversation that Corey and I had at the very end was kind of like, Red might have left the underground and lived her whole life. And well, technically, I think to keep to keep confusion, let's just call Red the girl in the red for now, even yeah. though it's the real Adelaide. Yeah. So Red, go ahead. So just want to let them know who we're we're talking about. So wait, hold on, I'm getting confused. Yeah, yeah. So Red is the one who who starts the uprising. She's okay. the original Adelaide. Okay. Red. So um, Adelaide. Adelaide is the one we follow through yeah. the film. So so Adelaide escaped from this underbelly of society when that, she was a little girl that they're trapped and enslaved to live in. And through that fact, she, you know, 
found a life for herself. She learned how to speak. She learned how to dance. She did all this mm-hmm. stuff. She may be a little quirky. She may not fit in exactly right, but she has children. She wants to protect her children. She yep. knows the dangers of the people that she left behind. So does, when they arrive. Does that mean yeah. that she has a soul too? And it's like, that's the question. It's like they cloned flesh, but they were never able to clone a soul. Yeah. But it's like, is a soul something that's given or something that's grown? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of also that thought too. Yeah. So. Um, and I like there's little there's little giveaways throughout the film about how she's not quite right human. I mean, she is human, right? Yeah. But she's not quite like there's a there's an interesting thing that I always thought I was interesting in the tra- yeah, it was interesting <laughs> in the trailer because it bugged me. I was like, that's not on time. And they kept it in the movie where she's get in time and she's snapping to all four beats, which no one does. Anyone who knows music at all, you clap on the two and the four. But she's clapping off rhythm to all the beats. And it didn't occur to me until I was watching the movie that I was like, oh my God, it's because she's not from here. It's it's not something she grew up with. You know, she learned to dance when she was younger, but it's not just little, little it idiosyncrasies. Be dance, yeah. Not little a idiosyncrasies dance. that are off. So not a, not a soulful thing. Yeah. Um, and the ways to, she reacts to things or even when she says to, to, um, Oh my God! What's her What's her name? Tim Heidecker's uh, wife. Uh, Kate, Kate, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Moss. She's like, Kate. I don't talk. It, it, she didn't say it. it I, little phrases she used instead of being like, "Oh, I, I'm not a big talker." She's just like, "I don't talk." Yeah. And so the little things like that just were like really precious to me as far as character building goes. So everyone at home listening to this or on your way to your work or listening at, at work, uh, just be weary of people who have no personalities because yeah, they, right. <laughs> <laughs> they just might be from the underground. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we could go on and on about theories all day. I would love to hear our audience's theories. So if you have some, send them in to us. Let us know what you think of ours. Um, I also, the last thing I want to say about as far as the uh, the kind of speculative overall theory of everything goes is that there's also a an argument to say that they also represent a part of us that's lost as far as like a primal side of us mm-hmm. um, to conform with being on social media and doing all these things and losing connection with a part of ourselves. And, and throughout the film, uh, we see the kids kind of like throughout their own devices. Yeah. The daughter's on her phone the entire time. Kids playing with the magic tricks. Uh, the, I'll call them the Dinkelberg family because that's the one you compare yourself to. The Heideckers. To. The Heideckers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're having a complete automated house with a backup generator. Nobody with talks the, to each other. With the bow and then, you know, the two fucking doublement twins and like Who the- like hate everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and they have like the the nice car, the flare gun, all, all the things that this other fam, the, the Wilsons want. Yeah. And uh, it, it just kind of shows like, what how that looks like yeah so i think i think they could also represent that part of ourselves that's lost within this age of like i would almost call it an age of solitude right mm-hmm. uh i said this to you guys when i got home i was sitting in my row at the movie theater and i looked to my left and i looked to my right and everyone's just in a screen oh uh Corey's wife and i were getting food yeah so i got i saved the seats but they were just in screens and it's just an interesting thing to to see before and it didn't occur to me at the moment i was just like ah, oh, everyone's on their phone so i got on my phone like it's what you do. Yeah. But after the movie, I was like, holy shit, like we've lost a part of society in a sense that no one really wants to talk to anyone anymore. Well, and that's kind of the funny thing. It's kind of like, I know you've talked about, you and your wife have talked about it a lot. It's like, you guys don't do small talk. You hate small I talk. Hate small talk. And it's kind of like that, to me, it's like Ugh. any type of talk and lost of that talk 
it ha- it's part of it, right? Mm. It's kind of like you don't. It's not that you don't like small talk, but you prefer personal, actual conversation, yeah, right? But it's also that like strength and ability of us to be able to like, how's the weather? We can talk about something that we all share. Like we all share the same sky. Yeah. Like wherever you're sitting with somebody, if you're sitting in the same room, you guys could talk about the same sky mm-hmm. at least. Um, but it's it's that loss, and then that kind of reflects inside that part where she's like, yeah, I did some Botox and blah blah blah, right? And it, it happens, it's lost. And I'll open it up in a little bit more of a personal sense. It's like. I've even felt the the strain of like, we're so connected to everyone and anything, but yet we still somehow experience loneliness. Yeah. It's like, how is that even possible? There was a, there's a great quote and I can't remember who, who to credit it to. So maybe you guys can help me out uh, or find the exact quote. Cause I'm going to butcher it. Or I can find it But here. it's essentially, he said, it's so strange to live in a world uh, that we're so connected and yet so desperate for connection. And I forget who, I don't think that's the right quote, but it's essentially what he summarized up. And I feel that, I mean, I really feel like this, this movie is kind of the same that I think that they can represent that part of us. That's, that's lost at least. I, um, I lost. I, anyway, I, find it. <laughs> uh, I, I want to ask you, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on from theories from there because the probably you them or for me, No, you, I want to okay. ask you, this, uh, this is Tom. because I think, I think theory wise, we could talk for like hours and hours and hours, but seriously guys, send us in your, your theories. Um, what was your favorite part? Uh, or parts. <sighs> My favorite, if plural. I mean, specifically, my favorite part uh, is the end final fight, the dance, the dance final fight, because yeah. it has the the tethered remix version of Five on it. Yeah, but um bum, and like yeah. it's that's by the way, that is what it's called. It's called the tethered remix. So it has Adelaide fighting against Red, mm-hmm. and it's cut in such a way where it's cut to the music as well as to the striking moments because Adelaide has a golf club or no she has a uh, a fire, fire poker pick, a fire poker and Ad- and red has you know her golden her shears. scissors shears that they use for the untethering mm-hmm. and the cool thing is that like they juxtapose it with shots of both of them learning how to dance when they were young and Adelaide was told to learn how to dance so she can express the trauma that happened to her in the... And maybe start to talk again. Yeah. And then since Red lived in the underground, she had to learn how to dance too. And she mentions it in the film. It's like, I should thank you because of you, I had to, I got to dance. Mm-hmm. And like, that's something, you know, it's something a bit of a soul. And it's like, I think that's the rule. If you live under there, you have to abide by whatever's up there's rules. Yeah. But the entire time you see like these shots that are just kind of like almost jarring, but it's like... They're very forceful and you hear like the grunting. But the thing is like I loved was that Adelaide, you're rooting for the entire film to just like get her family out of there, find her son, get out of there, get out of this nightmare is going against this force. Yeah. And Red portrays this force of like I am controlled. I created this revolution, this uprising that we we're going to take back our, our freedom. And she's just controlled. Yeah. She is con- like dominating the entire fight the entire time. With ease. With ease. And it's also creepy. It's fucking Valdo from Soul yeah, Calibur. It's terrible. Creepy. The way she moves is just like she anticipates everything that that uh, Adelaide is going to do. And and again, the entire and the, they're the same. And the creepy thing with the performance of the films of the film is that everyone that is uh, a doppelganger typically has zero emotion and they can't talk and they can't talk. And so like this, you know, this version of Adelaide Red is like. It's kind of in that same sense, like oh, because that's creepy. how she was raised. But even it, though it, she was from the up above, and it's just like an, an amazing sequence. That's one of my favorite part, I'd say. Um, for me, uh, I, I agree with you on that, and I want to touch on that just a little bit because I think it's a, it's a really good visual of like, because um, I, I I forgot to mention this a minute ago, but I also think that something that could be talked about or argued again for these people is that like 
people's past traumas mm -hmm. and not dealing with them or failures. Yeah, and she ends up at the place where all the trauma started. Yeah, traumas, traumas and failures. I think, you know, especially in a society where everything's curated, we we have an issue admitting fault or even admitting that we were wronged in a way because we, we have we have to be right and we yeah. have that's a that's a human flaw uh, and and there's a lot of pressure to not talk about past trauma and stuff like that so i think in this moment it's a really beautiful representation of her kind of struggling with that even though we don't know at that point even though you and i you yeah. and i figured it out pretty early uh tom actually you figured it out before i did yeah even, that, that it, they had switched spaces from but the very beginning even in that moment it's it's a fight for their lives for both of them and it's it's really cool um my favorite moment is actually the the story that Red tells when oh. they first get there about the the, the girl in her shadow. Um, I think it's a really, really beautiful, well written way to do exposition, um, because it gives you everything you need to know not only about every character but about Red at the same time. And that's the moment I figured out that they had switched spots because once I heard her voice, her because you saw that you, you I feel like you watched the trailers a lot. I just showed it to a lot of people because I was so excited. <laughs> See, I, I didn't watch, I watch the trailers, I don't shy away from them, but then I don't try to watch them over and over again. I just, I, so like every time I try to talk to someone about us coming out, they'd be like, I didn't see it. I was like, <clears throat> let me show you. Watch this. Uh, I felt like it was my job to show people this movie. So I had watched it a couple times and there's a scene in the trailer where one girl in the house chokes the other. So as soon as Red started talking and she had a voice like this, I was like, oh, they switched. Her vocal cords are Her larynx done. is broken. Uh, either I thought they switched or I thought Adelaide, the one we were following, had like choked her mm -hmm. when she was young. But that's besides the point. That story is such... I love when you can make your audience forget that they're learning exposition. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good... I mean, like, and we talked about this earlier. Like, yes, Lord of the Rings just throws exposition at you in, in the beginning. I was, I was making a slight, but it's like I still like Lord of the Rings. Anyway. No, no, no. But, yeah, no, no. but the way it's done, I forget about it. Because they're showing you the imagery along with... Very poetic. They're not just being like, here's the information. You're in New York City. It's 1967. Well, like, <laughs> there's a lot of films that just do it bad. Yeah. That don't right. do it well at all. And I just think it's a, it was like a, such a... like, And also to get exposition halfway through the film is also really wonderful. Yeah, it's like about almost 35 minutes in. Yeah. Um, so that whole scene was really great. I, I really want to just give a shout out to all these actors being able to... It's not play easy. Play two characters. But play two characters who are similar. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because so they're they not have the same. Similar qualities, but they're not the same. Um, and I think they all did really, really well at that. It's not an easy thing to do. You can see, like people get praised. Like Tom Hardy got praised for playing twins. Yeah. Uh, he got praised for playing Venom. Yeah. And so, like, this is this is just that. This is exactly that same thing. And I thought they fucking nailed it out of the park. I think Lupita, especially in this scene, as Red, really terrified me, uh, and had so much control. And, um, yeah, that whole scene for me, like stuck with me and it's all I could think about for a long time. And the imagery of like, like you said, there's an, there's a part where Red smashes Adelaide. Adelaide's head against this glass table and she's talking about the untethering and the glass starts to fracture. And the glass is reflecting Adelaide on her. And Red. And Red. And they're both, their images are getting cracked in the glass. Distorted. And I just thought that was a really nice, uh, subtle Im uh, imagery of of breaking the the person, and I mean the cool thing as well is that film that part it also sets up the dynamic because mm -hmm. uh, Lupita is the first build on the yeah. in terms of the cast, and so it shows again she like Gabe uh, Winston Duke uh, who plays the father. It's the, like uh, a big switch at that moment. Yeah, yeah. he he pretty much is like t calling all the shots, whether by like you know pleading or just making decisions or being the tough guy. Yeah, go crazy. We'll and, get crazy. And uh, Red is the, you know, definitely the alpha of her clan. And she just 
by clicks of her mouth, just just like tells them yeah. what to do and they know what to do. And so like they all start dispatching family members. And it's also really interesting because there's a switch there in that scene where, like you said, Winston Duke's character is calls the shots. But this is the moment where Lupita's Annadale, uh, Annadale, Adelaide, Adelaide uh, steps up, right? She's telling everyone to be quiet while they're listening she's to Red. Gabe. Yeah, she's telling Gabe to stop. She's telling her kids everything is going to be okay. Because she's from this world, now she understands know. the rules. But like, it's a very, it's because like before the character that she plays is very reserved and scared and like doesn't really know what to do. But it's interesting to see that dynamic. You kick can still in. see the trauma. Right. And so she plays a very uh, passive, if not introverted character. Mm-hmm. And, Until the family comes. Yeah, and even then, after, like, multiple bodies have been murdered. Yeah. Uh, and they make a really good joke about that. Uh, Do they? Which one? Where it's like, I'm driving. It's like, no. Oh, yeah, it's like, that's I, it. I have the, the highest skill count. Um, you killed one person. I killed one person. All right, I've killed two people. I have the highest skill like, count. I killed both twins. It's like, no, you killed one twin. I just killed the other. Um, so it's still one each. Yeah, uh, but they, at that point, too, uh, when they watch the news and then, uh, it's like, we're going to stay here. And then uh, Adelaide says, like, no, you don't get to make decisions. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. Babe. Also, I felt my back throw out when they started making Home Alone references, not knowing what they were. And the kids were like, what's that? What's it's a like, micro oh. machine? Home Alone or something. And I was oh like, oh, God. the whole audience groaned. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. Our entire audience went, ugh. Uh, I do want to do a special shout out as well for favorite part of uh, before the the disaster of everything any part with Winston Duke yeah cause he was just like he was just him like wanting to get it on yeah. in bed he was hey. like he was pretty much like and not to quote the you know Seth MacFarlane uh, show he was an American dad yeah he was like I mean I think he's definitely the comic relief yeah uh, him and maybe Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth but I would say he's more so the comic relief oh, but in yeah. such a nice way that it's not like in your face like he's not an idiot uh, but just the thing, like when he's like, "What do you, you guys take my wallet? Take the car? Take the boat?" Dad, nobody wants the boat. boat. <laughs> but also, he's like, when uh, Adelaide is explaining this very dark moment, where she's like, oh, "I feel like this mirror girl is gonna come after me." He's like, "Well, I think I kick your ass." I mean, and he's yeah. like, punches her in the chin, and she her, she her mouth is just ajar, and she's like, "Are you shitting me?" He's like, "Okay, sorry." Bad my joke. Bad. Better. I actually really love that scene. I think that. Jordan really wrote a very honest portrayal of a of a husband and wife in that situation because he's not like a lot of the times you see these fucking horror movies and someone says something like Lapita's character says where she's like there's a mirror girl chasing me and the husband's like what the fuck are you talking about and just doesn't believe right but he does and he like he's like making jokes to lighten the mood but he even says he's like I'm sorry I, bad joke I'm just trying to like process this all like give me a minute it's a lot but he Sha- he never like he never undermines her yeah. her thoughts. You know, this is your, shout out to uh, Gabriel Byrne's character in Hereditary because he just did not give a f- flying fuck about oh, yeah? uh, that main character. I didn't see it. No. He, he, whatever <laughs> he his wife said, her? no. He did uh, not care. Yeah. Um, so I just, I think that's a really refreshing thing in horror to see that like, I couldn't find a moment where any of them were like, nah, that's like, let's do this dumb thing. Like they were all very competent people um, and I think it was, I think it's important to see in horror. Yeah. Anyway, so favorite part, favorite character, favorite character. <sighs> I only do one. Only do one. Oh, what, only one. Only one. Whether ah. whether it's the tethered or untethered versions. Woo. Um, I will like. Okay, so real quick, this is my favorite character, but I'd love to give a shout out to Tim Heidecker because I'm a huge fan of Tim and Eric. Like, 
since day one of their stupid little like 11 minute show, the greatest fucking comedy show. Uh, I'm a huge fan and he's become this like great actor over the past couple years. Him and, uh, and he's Aaron. in Marvel and he's in like, he's in a bunch of stuff, but him, his duality between his regular self and then his tethered self was great. There's when he's still on the boat, little... like what the fuck? Where, where'd he go? I don't see him. Um, but also so, when uh, Elizabeth Moss is like dying and then he puts his hand out and then, whoops, oh, yeah, puts the, his hand back, the little slick like, back hair. Gotcha. Uh, so shout out to him. That's not He's not my favorite character, but I loved seeing him in there and I thought he did it really well. Mm. Um, oh, this is tough because not- it's a tie for me, I think. I think I have to give a shout out to Elizabeth Moss tethered. Okay. Because oh. she was great. Um, Elizabeth Moss, Moss as a horror villain oh is actually a really good idea everyone um, in Hollywood and I loved the she wouldn't stop her regular self wouldn't stop talking so the tethered self didn't have a voice Yeah. so it's that like duality of things well there's um, just a really the great turn when she yeah. sees her husband dying and, she can't and then all of a sudden she's like crying and then turns to laughing yeah. it's like oh god yeah. um, I think my favorite character is Adelaide Adelaide? I think so. Okay. Uh, I hope we're not saying Adelaide and it's Adeline. Do you look it up? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Adelaide. I just want to make sure. I just, I just realized all of a sudden. I was like, now I can't tell. But I think it's wonderful because of the um, the layers that go into that character mm-hmm. that you don't know from the beginning. It's Adelaide Wilson. Okay, thank you. I just want to be clear. I was like, <laughs> we're 40 minutes in and we may have just been saying the wrong name the whole time. Um but I think I think I like that character the most because of the amount of layers that goes into it. And like, definitely, this is one of those movies you have to see twice. Like, no, or at least I do. I have to see this again. Because now, having my theory confirmed that she switched spots, I want to go back because I didn't think of it right away. I didn't think of it until the family was there at the fireplace. I want to go back and watch because I think Lupita really knocked this one out of the park. The amount of thought and, and, and foreshadow that has to go into her building the character of Adelaide fascinates me so yeah. I think and I, and I like her character arc yeah so I think she's my favorite um, with a shout out to Winston Duke <laughs> uh, yeah as, as Gabe yeah as Gabe not, as Gabe not as evil husband no um, funny thing my favorite character is Red there you go <laughs> my favorite character is Red because once you know what happened you're like oh my god yeah she got stuck in this shitty place and had to live her life. I was like, no wonder. Like, and that's the thing I loved about her story is like, and we, Corey and I talked about this. Like, there, like there is an antagonist, but there's no good or bad person mm-hmm. because everyone's just trying to fight for their piece of the pie instead yeah. of growing the pie. Right. Right. And there's part of me that rooted for Red. I was like, I kind of want them both to make it. And and that's the thing because like they both have children. They both care about their children. And like even like Adelaide was like didn't want. You know the evil daughter and the evil son to like die. Yeah, and she thought she can save them. And when you find out like, oh, she's the like the original from the underground world, it's like, oh, those are those are her people. Yeah. Um, but Red is kind of like I really like the fact that like she got stuck in this place, and then so all she had, all she can do, three years. Yeah, all she can do is just like try to get out, find a way. And the thing is like. Again, there is one soul, technically. For every two people, for a tethered and untethered yeah. person, there's one soul. And it's kind of like where you are kind of determines where your soul is. Mm-hmm. And when one, you know, elevated to the higher world, like one grew a soul. And then hers, like her, her she turned into nothing but like revenge and, and That's all she hatred. thought about. Well, because she had her, so she had her um, Hands Across America shirt. Yeah. And uh, 
that's another reason that I was leaning towards it also being a metaphor for vets and and the homeless because that's what Hands Across America was supposed to do and it didn't really do anything. Well, like it actually did uh, like it went coast to coast, New York to Long Beach, yeah. and it had like ten people or like ten dollars to hold a spot. Yeah. So I mean, it had a lot of money, but like we're like it did, we're, it's worse you, than it's ever if been. If you've seen a homeless person on the street, obviously it's still a thing. Yeah. So it's that like um, you know putting on a face kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but. I, I can see that. I can see you liking red, and and I like Adelaide. Well, she's, she's <laughs> like when you find that out, it's like it's so you get very sympathetic about it. Yeah, you're very sympathetic 100%. of like that sucks. It's just because like where they live, that's what they become. Yeah. Um. And again, it's kind of like, imagine going from because she was old enough to remember the world. Mm-hmm. So imagine going from your world to having to live down there and eat raw rabbit and do like. That, that's all you would think about yeah. 100% of the time. Your humanity is stripped from you. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what do we turn ourselves into? And again, that's what happens again with vets. Yeah. It's like war and, you know, all the terrible things that they see and all the things that they come back to. It's like, you know, there's a, there's a reason why they have a lot of, you know, suicide rate. And it's yeah. like very unfortunate. But uh, I, yeah, I just love Red Story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, second second to uh, Gabe. Gabe, Gabe yeah, Gabe. Gabe is fucking All right. Um, I want to give a couple of shout outs to moments before we move on to rating. They're not quite my favorite parts. You don't have any qualms? Well, okay, to qualms. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I'm like jumping ahead. All the time. I want to give a shout out to Gabe's character starting the motorboat with his face. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. To trap the other one's leg in, in the in the rudder. Um. I thought that was great because it's this, it's this really tense moment where his he's fighting. He's there at a standstill, right? Because they're the same. Mm-hmm. So at the standstill well, of, if, of- I think the other one's stronger, definitely. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's he's holding this scissor and he kind of like lets it go, but puts his head down and smacks the motorboat. because. And we see that foreshadowed early on that he has to hit it to start it and uh, tears up the other guy's legs and kills him. And I thought that was fucking brilliant. Uh, I liked Ophelia, who was the Amazon Alexa. Everyone at home, <laughs> everyone at home, just turn your uh, episode real out. Alexa, <laughs> call the police. And then it turns to uh, fuck the police by NWA. Yeah. That was my. I was great. Call the police. Playing. Fuck the police. <laughs> also, the cool thing about the theme. <laughs> the theme to the I, movie. What's that? Like the fucking tethered I, remix. Oh yeah. It's so cool to hear it in the film, and you're like, oh, this feels so good. And thinking about it when you're walking home alone is really creepy. Oh, for sure. I was thinking about it as I was falling asleep last night, and I had to check my room because I was like, is there someone in here? Is am I am I here? And that's the thing. It's kind of like the scary. And I have sleep paralysis, this, Tom. This, so <laughs> this film lets you be afraid of your own self. Yeah. And that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. The thing it's like the scariest thing that I might see is someone that looks just like me. It's me. Oh, um, so cool. Yeah. Uh, that that and then oh and then uh, red blending in with the car. Oh yeah. I loved that. Qualms. Uh, qualms. Okay. Um, do you have any? I do. You, you, I you start. start. I, I want to, I have two. Okay, well, again, so for me, qualms, everyone's like, oh, it means you don't like it. It's, it's like, no, it just means we're analyzing it. Yeah, and so for me, like, I, again, it's a conversation point. I wish I knew more, right? I We spend a lot of times like, I don't know That's where this one of my came qualms. from. I don't know, like, who created it? How has it been? How, you know, like, they have that little factoid in the beginning of the film, and then Red yeah. explains it, but you're kind of like, how does it work? What are the exact rules? I was like, if she was the real one, how does that? Would you like a short? Film describing the government creating them. I don't. I don't know. And that's the thing. Is that like, what I mean? Is that what you're talking about? I would like 20 minutes, maybe yeah, to show it, right? Film. Yeah. And it's like maybe I would want to see it, but maybe I wouldn't want to see it because it's like that's the thing. It's like do you do you relish in the fact that you continually get to talk about it and get to wonder and or do you like no? I want to be able to be spoon fed all this information. Yeah. Right? There it's could, the towing the line. You could tow that line of like they could explain it and you can go. 
That's dumb. They should have done it how I thought it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's like, I liked it a lot with Alejandro Inaritu, Birdman, and I talk about it a lot too. It's like, American audiences need explanation for everything. Like, they do not find it comfortable to just not know. And I think that's what Jordan Peele wants us to feel. We we don't get to feel comfortable with this film. Yeah. It's kind of like why Chris Rock loves 12 Years a Slave. He's like, this is a first slavery film that you don't get to feel comfortable at the end. Right. And it's like, we shouldn't try to ask a film to try to, again, I've said, to try to impress us or try to just be, ex- like, we have to meet the film on its own terms mm-hmm. and meet it on its playing ground. Yeah, it didn't diminish anything for no, you. No, but it's like... It's just that's what you wanted. It, it, I, I stay awake at night for two things. <laughs> Steve, the David Fincher, Steve Jobs with Christian Bale in it. Uh-huh. That never happened. Yep. And then now knowing where the fuck did the, the tether come there from? There it is. There's the two like, things that keep talking about night. <laughs> what are the rules? Um, mine's the same. I wish, I wish I, I wouldn't call it a qualm, I guess, but I just, I could go for more. Yeah. Like I said, I could watch three hours of this if they wanted to fill in some blanks. It didn't, it moved well. Uh, like, I'm fascinated yeah. by it. Like the I'm, actual story progressed well, yeah. but then the entire explanation of it, you're like, I'm still willing to go into it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's like you're looking at Jordan Peele and you're like, if you want to, I'm there. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Jordan, if you want to make a short film, like, we're there, But dude. the progression felt good because it's like, okay, cool, I get to know these characters. Okay, there's this danger. It's okay, we're now, now we have to go save this kid. Yeah. And it's like, what else is going to happen? It's really not important to the story. But I would love to but know. But I would love to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like Walking that. Dead. You're going to watch it. Who gives a shit where the zombies came from? Yeah. It's like, but are they going to survive? We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, o- <laughs> my only other qualm uh, was th- how, and this doesn't take away from the film at all for me, but how easy it was to get to the underground. That, oh. that Just that escalator in a fun house. Well, the funny thing I thought about, the escalator only goes one way. Yeah. And I was like, "That's a, that's not to me. It's not a plot hole. It's a logic gap." Yeah. But like, how many times as a kid have you run up an escalator? A lot. A lot. That's what I'm saying. I I wish it was one more thing. I but I, in my mind, I was also thinking of it's like, you've set up a haunted house, mm-hmm. what, like for like in a church or in a high school. Yeah. There's a bunch of fucking back doors with a bunch of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just mean I I, I think if it's stopping an entire community community from getting up, I well, wish it was one. I only felt like it was the only reason that happens because no one has ever actually walked to that part, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so that's why she kind of created that hole and also created a fucking anomaly of bringing the real one down there. That's a good point. Yeah. And so, yeah. But I like, think, yeah. yeah. I don't know why that would have helped me just a little bit more. But think about that. Yeah. Because everyone has to do what everyone does up, up there. But think about that. that. She's not the only person that's been in that funhouse. No. Imagine every single person that's been in that funhouse has had, had looked at their doppelganger straight in the face. Mm-hmm. And then they turned around because they did not open that door. Right. That's creepy as fuck. Well, there, yeah. And and the fact that that uh, holy shit, I never thought of that. That's, That's creepy as fuck. Never mind. I changed my qualm. <laughs> I don't have that anymore. That's great. That funhouse was built as basically a tether. Yeah. And you think it's a mirror, but really you're just looking at the yeah. doppelganger and it turns away. And because her character Lupita's uh, Adelaide, who came up, was the first one to ever take that. Because they were special. Yeah. She says, you know, we were special. Um, they've never had the drive to rebel that way. Mm. And then, of course, Red later on rebelled because she's not from there. And everyone looked to her as a leader because she salvation. could speak and she could do all these things. So, uh, never mind. I take that one back. That's fucking great. Uh, I thought it was That crazy. just gave uh, me chills. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're right. You're totally right. You just <laughs> nixed one of my qualms. So, I only have the one then. I wish I knew more. Yeah, we all wish uh, we knew more. I don't think I have any more qualms. Um, it's 160 minutes long. I could go for a 146 minute long film. Yeah, I could go for a two and a half hour yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think I got any more. Okay. I don't really don't think I have any. I think this is a really strong second film. 
I mean, there's no real like camera choices that I wish were done better. Camera's beautiful. Coloring's wonderful. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about the camera work, it reminds me a lot of like Resident Evil, mm-hmm. the original Resident Evil, where it's like they do fix camera angles so that you're always afraid of what you don't see. Mm-hmm. And like when... Uh, when she goes back to get the keys. Adelaide has to go back for the keys. Yeah. You're like, oh, fuck, when's it going to happen? And we all know. We we're all like, oh, god damn it. And she knows they show the table. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh. The empty table where the girl used to be. Yeah. Which they were all sitting around watching TV with her there. Yeah. So like creepy as shit. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, one last shout out for a moment. Uh, it's the sequence with the brother and sister working oh. together to take out the twins and the mom. And they just ha- they just look at each other the entire time with the fucking yeah. There's amethyst. one moment specifically. So she kills the first sister, quote unquote, kills the first sister because she comes back to life, and she's so hyped she starts shaking her arms out. Right. And I was like, oh, oh, I know she that ready. feeling. She I know ready. that feeling from playing like baseball and stuff like that. You're like, okay, I missed that first one. Let me get this. Let me get this second one here. And and um, then just fucking just drive Ryan Gosling somebody the, yeah, the other yeah. one in the bathroom. Uh, I thought I thought that was that was a great scene, and it was the nice first time they got got along in the film. Yeah, because they, they you know, brother together. and sister. Not like they didn't get along, but yeah. they brother and sistered the whole thing, and they finally like teamed up together to get their mom. So, yeah. and you think it's just gonna be the daughter, and yeah. then the son comes up, and you're like, yes. Uh, All right, rating. rating. Uh, I have I have two, two so votes, so it's first. you. Uh, <laughs> mine, I would have to say it's a it's a four point nine. Oh shit. <laughs> 4.9. Oh, wow. Yeah. Five. No grumps. No, no grumps. grumps this week. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Go. Everyone at home, uh, send us what your uh, your your rating is, who you thought would have been the grump out of us two. Yeah. But, I uh, hope you guys like this bonus episode. If you want more of these, let us know. We'd love to do them. Uh, I do want to add a little a little sum-sum. Please, a little, Tom. A go ahead. Salpe. Um, who is the scariest of the untethered? Oh, the tethered. Who's the scariest of the tethered who are trying to untether? Yeah. Uh, ooh, that's a good question. For me, the one that creeped me out on looks alone is the daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. Because the, they, they took her eyebrows out. Yeah. And she's she was born laughing. Oh, oh yeah. And that freaked me out a she little like a bit. Monster. And how fast she could run. So one of the scariest points for me in the entire film is there's this scene with the daughter and her doppelganger walking around a car because she caught up with her because she runs like a motherfucker. Because <laughs> she, she does. One more time. She runs like a motherfucker because... <laughs> Uh, above ground daughter is a is a track and field star. Zora, Zora. and then Umbra. 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 She's Shadow. a track and field star. Zora's a track and field star. So, of course, that means the doppelganger also runs, but probably at a freakishly strong rate. Um, so, there's this scene around the car where they're like following each other through the windows, and then Umbra or Umbra di- dips down. And it scared the shit out of me. Uh, so, I think, I think her. I think she's the scariest. Pluto scared me the most. Pluto, Pluto, because he's so the the ravenous ass evil son, who's also a burn victim. Yeah, uh, because he loves to play with fire. Because he loves to play with fire, runs on all fours. Yeah, and he can crawl, climb up fucking trees. That's true. I didn't think about the tree thing. And like, even when they pull a fucking bookshelf to like you know distract him, he just hops over it. And Mm -hmm. the entire time he's just like, (laughs) it's like oh, he's he's like he's the least human of them all. Right. Also, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, she was Elizabeth just, Moss scared the shit out of me. Just devilishly evil, cutting her own face yeah. and like almost cutting Lapita and then not quite doing it. And I, what do you think was that about? Well, I think that each one had to kill their own. Their own. But do you think that was because it was a plan, or is it because you think that they would not be tethered? I don't know. Maybe maybe both. Maybe know. that was the plan because then they and wouldn't be untethered. Do you think that any of the other tethered people knew that 
Adelaide was actually a tethered person? Because you think Red told him? No, because I think they might maybe turn on her then. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think so, but I do think that they have to kill their own because I. I'm that's how sure the everyone would, kills. That's how own. the untethered would work. Because Tim kills Tim, Elizabeth yeah. Moss kills Tim, and the then, daughters kill daughters. Yeah. yeah. So I think you have to kill your own. That's why all of them went off to with fight each other. Their, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why she didn't do it. But I think she Possibly. wanted to, right? She totally wanted to, because she's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, w- Jordan Peele, fucking well done. Cannot wait for your third one. If you want to send it to us early, let us know. We'll give you our address. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell everyone at home as well. Uh, if you're wanting something that's just very casual, don't watch this film. Yeah, you need to you need to engage. You this need to watch. A, this it. is a multiple viewing film. I know I'll be going back for a second time. I'm sure you will. Yeah, you'll be going back for a second time. Um, phenomenally acted. Especially shout out to the Pita and uh, <laughs> Winston, Winston yes. Duke, Winston killing Duke. it. But literally everyone in this cast was phenomenal. Jordan has has gotten a great group of people together on this film to really pull off something special. So that's my that's my two cents about the whole thing. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, oh, do you remember? Okay. okay, last thing. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I just remembered because we talked about this a little bit. Uh, Tim Heidecker's character, you you and I had the same moment when he starts talking on the boat and he's like, Ugh. Oh yeah. Oh no, because Gabe, yeah, Gabe happened. is like yelling to someone across the lake and he's like, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> But he is. He's yelling to someone across the, the lake, and we're like, who the hell? I thought it was, like, the daughter. Yeah. But then it's the same sound Tim makes. And then you're like, oh, shit. They're, they're all communicating. Communi- that's the moment you realize that they're all in this together. It was, anyway. a, it was a very, like, uh, uh, I am legend vert. Yeah, feel. it was very creepy. Anyway, I didn't want that to pass up, because oh, yeah. we both looked at each other at the same time. Like, we're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did see this, the whole twist from the very beginning. You I did. Just, I just thought, because I was just like, what if the whole film, because I'm like, I want, I'm ready for the mind fuck, so I'm like, I guarantee you that she just switched from the beginning. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. And I, and I wanted to see like how it was going to happen. So. Were you it, disappointed at all? No. Okay. It didn't ruin it at all, but I really liked it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Because I, again, I, once she started talking, that's what gave it away to me, that her vocal cords I think damaged. that's also too many trailers for you. Yeah. Because you saw it, and I was like, I had no idea that happened. Yeah, yeah. And the choke. So, and I didn't see that happen at all so I was like what the fuck uh, oh yeah make a sense get on beat not on beat <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway thank you guys for joining us for this thank bonus you. episode appreciate it um, yeah if you like what you heard please give us a, a rate on iTunes on all social medias or platforms uh, you can always listen to our episodes uh, exclusively on iTunes and anywhere else you can catch a podcast yeah um, we also have trope time that comes out every Monday of every month no, not every Monday. First Monday of every First month. First Monday of every month. <laughs> First Monday of every month. First Monday of every month. And uh, if you want to see where all you can get that information, go to nerdon.tv. Yeah, nerdon.tv. Uh, dot. As, as he says. Yes. Uh, for all the information for our YouTube channel, for our, our weekly Twitch streams, everything is on there for our articles that come out there, mm-hmm. uh, for where you can see a whole feed of our podcast episodes. Uh, yeah, and let and us... contact. If you want to let us know your thoughts, you can contact us there or any social media platform. Uh, but yeah, you know the drill. As always, nerd on. Ending broadcast.